This episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast is brought to you by our website, prettyhappy.place. Please visit our website to support the show. Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah. And we're the parents of Zoe, a child with Rett syndrome. Sarah, we're coming up on a year of doing this. It's crazy. A whole year, which means there's going to be a new season of the Pretty Happy Podcast. What? Two seasons? It's wow. pretty awesome. Oh, I see what you did there. What did I do? You said pretty awesome. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I totally did that on purpose. <clears throat> Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and you played it off so well. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Are you excited for today's episode? I am. I am too. So excited. We, uh, we're really excited that we were able to chat with Colleen English and uh, got some really good insight from her, but we're not going to talk about that just yet. We're going to jump right into our segment for today and Sarah what have we got to share with the folks we are going to talk about all of the stuff that helps Zoe the stuff the stuff the equipment the the stuff that aids her in accessing her her environment that helps us help her the whole the whole shebang. Helps us keep our sanity. Yep. Yeah, we'll go the with stuff. that. stuff. Okay, so we've got a list. We think we've got it all. I don't think we have it all. I'm sure no. there's other things. No, I'm sure there is. But we're going to we're gonna go down through it one by one. So first one we've got. Sarah, what have we got for number one? Orthotic gloves. So what are those? They are just what they sound like. They're gloves. <laughs> um, they're gloves that there's um, a metal piece in the wrist section um and then the fingers of the gloves are um detachable from the 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 palm part if that makes sense no it doesn't because it goes on the top oh okay but i mean the that part of the the glove though yeah yeah the top of the hand the the fingers come off of (laughs) the glove the fingers come off, and then they have Velcro on them so that you can... I am not explaining this well. Would you like to take a crack oh at this? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So if you've ever seen a brace for a wrist, that's essentially what it is. And then on the top of this orthotic glove is the soft Velcro. And then there's these little tabs that go on each one of the fingers. They're like tubes. Yeah. Yeah. They look like these fabric tubes and you slide them down Zoe's fingers and then there's this long strand of of the hard velcro that then goes on top of the soft velcro if that makes sense and the whole idea is it's meant to help her keep her hand more open yeah because the majority of the day Zoe has her hand clenched um not necessarily super hard but it's definitely enough that over time it may potentially cause some serious issues for her. She'll lose that mobility in her hands because the tendons will um, shrink because they're not being used. Yeah. So we typically will put that on her at night 
and allow it to just be on her hands throughout the night so it's not really bothersome to her. Uh, she's at night when we don't put it on, her hands are doing the same thing that they're doing during the day, and that is yeah. they're just in fist. In a fist. Yeah. So, anyways, there's that. The next one we've got, very similar to the gloves, we have an elbow brace. But the thing is, we haven't had to use that brace in a long time. Probably it's been true. about a year and a half, maybe even two years. It's true. It's been a long time. The purpose the behind getting Zoe's elbow brace was she was putting her hands in her mouth a lot. It was which, her left hand, though. It was only her left hand. That is true. Yeah, in her mouth a lot, which that was, all, that was then t- causing problems with her cuticles. And did they start bleeding? Um, like, they were getting pretty they, rough. Her her cuticles were starting to break down. They yeah. weren't bleeding, but they were getting swollen and cracked. Yeah, and it looks so painful. Yeah, so we put we would put the brace on her left elbow, and that would keep her arm straight, so that way she wouldn't be able to put it in her mouth. Uh, she was still able to continue to do her. She could still use her hand. Yeah, but then also doing her her hand wringing. She does. It's not hand-wringing for Zoe. She just taps her hands together constantly. And she was able to do that a little bit. So that was able to help with her. She was still able to do that. So that helped with her anxiety, um, which was good. So anyways, that was the elbow brace. All right, what have we got next? Um, DAFOs. They confuse a lot of people. They're AFOs, but there's a D in front of it. It just means dynamic ankle foot orthotic. The dynamic part is because most, not most, AFOs don't have a hinge. It's one solid piece. DAFOs have a hinge. That's why they're dynamic, because they have a hinge. Anyway, it's a foot, foot, ankle, orthotic. It's a foot, ankle brace Mm. that she wears. Um, Hers, she wears generally to help with her um, hyperextension because she hyperextends her knees. It's kind of like wearing ski boots where you're tilted. You it 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 doesn't let you straighten your leg completely, yep. basically. Yep. The next one is we got a helmet for Zoe. She can be prone to falling. She is mobile. She does walk around. However, sometimes for whatever reason, whether it be on a, even surfaces or something just happens with her body where it just doesn't, it doesn't listen to her. Yeah, for a moment, uh, she'll fall over. And so we have sent her helmet in the past to school with her. So that way, when they go to the playground, that's a perfect place for her to be able to just go walk around and do whatever. And if she falls, that's okay. Uh, this particular helmet, it's it's not like a bicycle helmet. It's, it's, it's a soft helmet. Yep, yep. And the really cool thing is that the kids think it's awesome. Yeah, the kids yeah. in her class in her classes have thought it's really, really cool. So um, nobody harasses her about it. It's great. It's all good. Yep. So next on our list is Zoe's bed. She has a very expensive bed, you guys. (laughs) Super. So expensive. Um, Her bed is, for those of you who know anything about, you know, um, medical beds, it's a Beds by George. I think it's the Dream Series. Basically, it's it's almost like a crib with a twin size mattress. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a, tw- mm-hmm. a crib with a twin size mattress, and then one of the sides bifolds down um, so that you can access it. The, a big difference is that um, her bed is a medical bed, so it can go up and down. The head goes up and down, the feet go up and down. So we're able to use those to help position her. Um, it's supposed to make to? supposed to make uh, transfers easier on our backs because we don't have to. Um, we can lower her down and whatnot. Um, it's awesome. It's really good. It's so good. Uh, we included on the sides two access points to be able to feed tubing through. So for her CPAP um, or oxygen or whatever we may need to put in there for her to be able to sleep well, it's easily accessible. So that makes it really nice. Uh, A medical stroller. We got this a year? No, like six months ago. Six months? Oh, six months. Seems like it was almost a year ago. So we're still figuring out when and where we want to use it. In the past couple months, we've used it quite a few times compared to at the very beginning. Uh, But it's... It's a stroller for for bigger kids. Mm-hmm. So pretty pretty straightforward. It's great though. Like it really is great, especially when I Can take it, when we take Zoe by herself places. Yeah. Can it be if we had a wheelchair accessible van, would we be able to strap her yes. into it? Okay, it that's has, what I thought. It has brackets on it for transportation, so yeah. she could technically um, she could ride it to. She could sit in her chair, be strapped into her chair, and then go on the bus. And they would strap her her stroller in mm-hmm. with with like their tie downs or why don't we do that? Whatever, because she doesn't need the stroller at school right now. But that'd be so cool. <laughs> She'd roll up in this purple and black. Oh, it'd be so cool. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, we also have for her. Sarah listed it as Chewies, but we had somebody who mentioned to us that it's called Chewlery. Yes, it's called Chewlery. And uh, it's a necklace that's a food-grade silicone Mm -hmm. that she's able to chew on. We've mentioned multiple times that Zoe doesn't grind her teeth, thank goodness, but she does do this clicking with her tongue, and it can be very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. And so... These little necklaces are like they're super subtle. They don't just they don't stick out. They don't know. They they just look like little kid jewelry. They don't mm-hmm. they don't look like they would be any type of um Yeah, it looks like it's just regular, you know, anything a kid would wear. Yeah. And hers look any... like feathers. Hers are shaped like feathers. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to put that in her mouth whenever, you know, she's starting to get clicky and that distracts her. She's obviously wanting some sort of stimulation with her mouth and she's able to get that with the jewelry. So the next thing we have kind of goes along with that. And those are scarves. Um, We have, they're not just any kind of scarf. They're, they're a thicker material. That's more uh, um, absorbent. Essentially muslin. Yeah. But it's, uh, several layers of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of like big kid bibs for her. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes she she can't control um, her spit. So she gets kind of drooly. Um, so we use 
the scarves to be able to wipe up her face um, when that is becoming an issue. Mm-hmm. And it looks, it doesn't look like a baby. Mm-hmm. It's more age appropriate. It's another one of those things that makes it appear like it's a um, an accessory to an mm-hmm. outfit. Exactly. So the next item is we have a special chair for meals for her. It's by a company called Kikaru. And what's really nice about it is the the foot shelf. I guess I can't think of what it would be called. A because it's it's a shelf that you yeah. can pull out and adjust up and down uh, to wherever your child's feet are landing in that moment. And maybe you decide, well, for right now, we want them to have their feet, you know, sitting flat on the surface. Okay, we'll raise it up a little bit or. All right, we want them to be able to just dangle their feet and swing them a bit. Okay, you can pull yeah. that shelf out and put it down a little bit lower. But it also, if you wanted it to, it's a great step up mm-hmm. into the chair. So it's got a little, some straps to be able to strap them in. Mm-hmm. The seat and the back have this really nice, comfortable foam for her to sit on. Um, and nice. it's... It looks really nice too. It, and the seat is adjustable too. Oh yes, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. The seat's adjustable as well. I think the really nice thing about it, though, is it doesn't look like a high chair. No, it doesn't for small children. And I, I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about going forward with our Rett syndrome journey is that we're going to be able to find more and more of these things that they're going to blend into our home. Uh-huh. And not that they're going to disappear and we're not going to see them or notice them, but it's going just, to add yeah. to our home. It's going to add some uniqueness, but it's... It's not going to stick out. Yeah. Yeah. Quite so much. Not that we're trying to hide, but it's going to be more age appropriate for her, uh-huh. which I think is important. Yeah. Yep. For exactly. Sure. All right. What have we got next? Next we have... Okay. Industrial zip ties. I think that's what they're called. They are... It's basically wires that are covered in foam. I think they're called industrial zip ties. Um, Anyway. That's what we're calling them. That's what we're calling them. Maybe gear ties? Oh, gear ties. I think that's right. Zip ties is something. I know. Zip tie wasn't the right word. Gear ties. I think that's right. Um, Anyway, we use them to make handles on things. So cups. Um, we We can make custom handles using them. We can also use them... Um, to help Zoe hold on to silverware. You can make a little loop so that her it fits on her hand better. That way she doesn't have to worry so much about holding on to it because it's really hard for her with motor planning to, you know, hold her, her tremors steady first and then grab something and get it to do whatever she's wanting it to do while controlling her other hand and focusing on what she's doing. It's just a lot. So if there's one thing that you know we can take away, so there's one less thing she has to worry about, that's awesome. So those are fantastic because you can put them anywhere, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Several episodes back, we talked with Sarah and Lonnie Morrison about switches Mm -hmm. and buttons. Switches. So we do that for her as well on many of her toys. And um, if she wants to play with them, she can. She's not really big into toys, but maybe we just need to put them out more. 
She's we she's, probably do. she's more into music than anything mm-hmm. else. Um, so, anyways, but that's another way that we adapt for her. Uh, we also have uh, we've talked about it before. We've got her Toby Dynavox as well for yep. her to be able to speak, and we also have low tech version of that. Which so are have, the flipboards? Yep. So we've got um, flipboards. So we they have we have ones with the alphabet on them. Um, we got those through Ret University. They're a great resource. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have like a little blackboard that we sometimes write on, and then obviously like her yes and no's um, with her eyes is mm-hmm. also a. I don't know if you count that as an aid. I don't know, mm-hmm. but. That's how she communicates. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing that we have on our list, we haven't talked about it yet, but we did talk with um, Tracy yes. Poing uh, many episodes back where she and her family had purchased a new vehicle to be able to get Jovi around. And we have recently purchased a new vehicle ourselves. We are still in the process of figuring out how to get it retrofitted. Yep. for a special chair. And we'll be sharing a little bit more about that in the near future because, like I said, we are in the thick of getting that all sorted out. And yes. so we don't really have much in the way of details on it at the moment other than that that is one of the things that we are looking at. Yep. Uh, it's not horrible getting Zoe in and out of the car. I mean, I took her to Walmart today and we got parked and I helped her down and put her back in. But she's getting bigger. She is. She's getting bigger. So the chair that we're looking at, essentially what it would do is the chair itself would come out of the van and then lower. So the the hope is that Zoe would be able to just turn around, sit down in the chair, and then the chair would lift and go back inside the van mm-hmm. so that we wouldn't be lifting her up and down and she'd just be able to sit. Yeah. Is the goal. Obviously... It's a little bit different right now because she's smaller, so she there's going to be a high chair, not a high chair, a car seat, <laughs> not a high chair. There's going to be a car seat. We, we swapped out a car seat for a high chair oh in our gosh. car. Oh my gosh, this is what we're doing, you guys, to make it more uh, <laughs> disability much, friendly. Much more safe. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Anyways, yeah, it'll be really nice uh, when I took Zoe to Walmart, I... I was when I was putting her back in and buckling her up. I was like, "Hey, you know, we're going to be getting a, a new chair for you, and you'll be able to walk up to it, and then we'll help you get in." What do you think? Does that sound fun? She said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, you don't really have a choice in that, so we're getting it anyway. So deal with it." So she's not so excited about no. it. No, but we are. Yeah, and it'll it'll be really good. It'll be yeah. really good. Anyways, so. this. This was a short list of things that we were able to think of of what we're using in our family. This is not, I mean, there's, there's other families that have so many more, you know, chairs and, and equipment and, and, you know, all of that. Yeah. And we're, we're fortunate that this is our list. Yep. So we would love to hear from you what some of the things that you have in your home and yes. what you use with your kids with Rett syndrome or any disability uh, or ability and how it helps you guys out. So 
go ahead and go into uh, the show notes of this episode and head over to our website and you can send us an email and let us know what some of those things are. Hey guys, before we jump into this interview, we wanted to let you know that we have a little bit of a trigger warning. Some of the subject matter that we're going to be discussing in this interview, you may not be prepared for. Some of that's going to include talking about uh, death of children, individuals with special needs, and some of the trauma that comes with that. So if you are not prepared to be able to listen to that, that is okay. Go ahead and put a pin in this and maybe at a later date, when you get to a point where you want to hear a little bit more about Colleen's story, uh, come back and listen to it. But uh, this is uh, a warning on that. And so uh, if you want to skip ahead and just listen to the Can't Leave It, go ahead and do that. Welcome back. And we are excited to have on the show today, Colleen who is going to share a little bit with us about her daughter, Claire, and also a foundation that she and her family put together called Retland. But Colleen, first off, thank you so much for reaching out to us. Thank you so much for your willingness to come on the show. And uh, we love meeting new people. So this is really exciting for us. Yep. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Of course. Absolutely. Well, let's just jump right into it. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? Tell us about Claire and uh, we'll just start there. Um, so Claire, uh, I don't, man, that's a hard one. Where to start? Uh, she was diagnosed, she was born in October, 2005. So she would have been 16 uh, in a few weeks here. Uh, yeah, uh, so we, we joined like the Rett syndrome community before it was like an, um, like before what it is now, like we're like old timers, I suppose. <laughs> you're, you're like the model T of, uh, of the community. You guys are that old. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I feel like when we joined, I felt like I was walking in footsteps of other people, but mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, there's there's people behind us on the trail, mm-hmm. you know, so we've been, we've been on it for a bit. Uh, so yes, we, um, we, Claire was born in California at Stanford. So she's lived in California for the majority of her life. She did a, a brief stint in Arizona. Um, but yeah, she was a perfectly healthy little baby girl, all the, like the normal Rett syndrome stuff where you like have like a perfect life. And then we had moved to Arizona for a short period of time, uh, when my parents had some health problems. And when we moved back, I thought like the doctors were like, Oh, like environmental stress. Like that's like just it. Don't worry. And then it was like, let's just run this test to rule it out. And I didn't never, I didn't even like look it up. Cause we're just ruling it out and it came uh-huh. up. <laughs> and they're like, Oh wow. She can really use her hands. It's crazy. She's got Rett syndrome. I'm like, yeah. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> so yeah. So that was, um, but thankfully we were at Stanford and they were savvy 
enough to like start ruling stuff out pretty quick. So that's, um, so we actually kind of, I feel like we got the diagnosis right before she turned two and, oh, and wow. got into early intervention and uh, yeah. So she, um, yeah, like I, I, man, I'll talk for like four hours. If you just want me to talk about Claire, you're going to have to ask me more specific <laughs> questions. Get more specific but about it. What are, yeah, uh, she, yeah. When, 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 uh, when we were diagnosed, she definitely like, she didn't change. And I think that's the thing that I really, uh, try to hold on to. Did your perspective change of who she was? I really tried to hold to, to not judge her based on that, but to yeah. really work with the child in front of me. We had a, we, here's a fun story. So like her diagnosis was like a catastrophe. They had said like, okay, we're going to like call you in or, you know, we'll schedule a time to call you so you can have like people at your house. And like, so we're like bracing for like something like that. And like somebody just called, they're like, Hey, I uh, just want to let you know, the labs came back. Your daughter's got Rett syndrome. And uh, you want to schedule something in like two weeks. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> what? It's like 9 AM on a Monday. Oh. And I'm like, oh. wait, wait, what? Cause we had just seen on Friday, we had just seen neurology. And they're like, oh, good news that the, the HESH result, results came back for Rett syndrome and it's negative. And I'm like, oh, great. I, I never, I never Googled it. Yeah. Right? And then someone else called from a different department and they're like, oh, it's positive. So then I had to call genetics and be like, you guys get to be the tiebreaker. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was this but, hor- horrible game of tennis. Yeah. Like, I'm like got back and forth. Like wh- what's going on here, people? I mean, you're Stanford. Yeah. You're Stanford. Yeah. Come on. Um, and so, but then like, I told my neighbor, I'm like, Hey, guess what? We got the diagnosis. Yay. Right. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, that's in the front page of the paper. And I'm like, Oh, sweetie, you're, you're, you, she doesn't swear. Like that's, I think you're misunderstood. And then like, I kept telling people and they're like, Oh, that's on the front page of the paper. And I'm like, who reads the, am I the only one not reading the paper? First of all, <laughs> apparently this is true. But um, sure enough, there was a big fundraiser for Katie's clinic for Rett syndrome, like what? miles from our house, four days after we got diagnosed. Oh my gosh. And it was like, at the time we had, it was Claire's our first child, right? So mm-hmm. we didn't have money. Like we had a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and um, so I like had to call or I think I sent an email and I was like, hi, um, our daughter just got diagnosed with Rett syndrome, but we don't have money for this. So can we like, just come by and say hi? Like, like, I didn't know how this like worked. Yeah. They're like, come, come, like, just come. We'll get you parking. Like, and I had like, was totally clueless. Cause like, we were not expecting to be in the special needs world because at the time, like she was still very typical. Yeah. And, um, Paige Nuez and Britt Van Giesen and Deirdre and a few other rep families were all there. And we like met them all the week, first week we got diagnosed. Oh, that is so cool. And yeah. And then it was like, so then we got in with Katie's clinic right away. 
which was a godsend. Like we just took all of our early start team to the clinic. And I was like, okay, you talk to them. Good. Great. You guys figure this out between yourselves and then, you know, and then help my kid. Yeah. Awesome. How fortuitous. How amazing is that? You know, first off, it being in the paper. Because right? there's nothing in the paper anymore. Does uh, anybody read it? And that people uh, read the paper. <laughs> <laughs> I think we go back to my original comment. You were the Model T of uh, yeah, Syndrome, right, right. right? So, yes, so this is were, how old I am. Yeah, you had and when our daughter got diagnosed. It was in the paper. Yeah, yeah, and you you had newsies that were out in the corner <laughs> handing out papes, telling you about it. <laughs> yeah, it was in the papes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, so what was that first experience like going to Katie's clinic? Oh my gosh, it was super overwhelming. I think I got the call that my grandpa died, like as I was parking, which was really oh my early. gosh. Oh man! Like I think he had a heart attack and died. And they're like, "Hey, it's FYI." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So it was like very disorienting. Yeah. Um. But also, I, we we had our whole early start team with us. Like, I'm kind of um a go-getter, if you will, maybe like, you know, there's like some people, my husband, who's amazing, uh, goes with the flow. I like to build dams and control it, you know? And so I pushed the regional center really, really hard to get extra funding for each, for like hours for all of our therapy team to come to Katie's clinic. Cause we're like two hours away. It's like a, it's like an hour and a half drive each way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it was a blur of joy, I would say, like, cause it was like, people can help us. Like I felt very supported and that, cause on one hand you like search the internet. We did have the internet. It just, <laughs> people didn't use it like they use it now. Yeah. You, you didn't had, have iPhones. Nobody, you know. nobody was uh, able to make phone calls out when you were using that internet. Right. Correct. We yeah. did have email, but it was like, yeah. ding, ding, ding. Yeah. yeah. You've so, got mail. <laughs> so yeah. So th- there was like, when I would search about Rett syndrome, you would find very little. Mm-hmm. It was like bad. It was generally bad. I'm yep. just going to, um, there was no like, there was no children. There was no stories of individuals. What were you, you know? finding? Was it just research? Was it like, I was gonna say, was it like the scientific? There was the international this. at the time. There was the International Rett Syndrome Association, mm-hmm. which is now the International Rett Syndrome Foundation. Um, so there was like that, but even like their website was fairly archaic for the time. Um because they were a bunch of rep parents also doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't like the cutting edge. Um, and there was only one thing, like there wasn't a lot of foundations, like there was the one. And, um, but I really feel like there was no information. Like there was like, like Dr. Rett's papers from 1980, you know, like, like when we got when we did go to Stanford, the paperwork they gave us was for Make a Wish and handicap parking. Oh, that's helpful. 
<laughs> so did you make a wish? I have to ask. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Claire did. It gotcha. would have been wrong for me too. So they're giving you the but, paperwork. Go ahead and use it, right? Yeah. Like, right. Like, so yeah. So anyway, so the clinic was a breath of fresh air to see like people that knew about it. Like, oh, oh, wow. Like you actually, because everyone else. It's like firsthand experience. At everyone we went to, it was like, we have Rett syndrome and they're like, hold on. And you like, you can like see them like typing to search it, you know? Let me learn about that real quick. Like nobody that we saw knew anything. Yeah. So the, the clinic was a breath of fresh air. And Dr. Mary was, we called her Fairy Mary. Um, she just had this positivity and she was like super, I feel like maybe right around the time we got diagnosed, there was the research that came out of the bird lab that said like, if it's, um, that it was reversible mm -hmm. in theory. And the other things, Dr. Mary had some other uh, research that basically was like a rich environment is like the key to everything. Like you need a rich environment. And so I was like, okay, we're going to do that. And I just, that's what we did for the next 14 years. And, and what does that mean? A rich environment? Right. Like not, I feel like the stereotype of what I saw when I did Google was like somebody sitting in a wheelchair unattended watching Barney for eight hours. Yeah. You know, that would be a not rich environment. Gotcha. So the rich environment being exposure to language and all the different things that we need to thrive. Treating the individual on the level that they would be if they were neurotypical. Yeah. But even like, I think, we do a poor job of treating neurotypical people with a rich environment in a lot of situations. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so you got your diagnosis, you went to your first um, uh, appointment at the, uh, at Katie's clinic. What got you to the point where you guys decided to start the Retland foundation? Okay. So uh, Jared was traveling my husband and I normally like come up with really crazy ideas when I'm single parenting because I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened was somebody posted, because by then there was Facebook, mm -hmm. um, that there was this trial in Boston. And like, we were all like holding our breaths for this trial in Boston. And then someone was like, oh my gosh, we only have 15 girls. We need 30. And I was like, wait, wait, hold on. We're all like making lemonade stands to pay for this. And participation is the problem. Like you're like, what? Yeah. Like, how is this the world I live in? This seems ridiculous. My husband does logistics. Like, mm -hmm. so like in my mind, this was like a logistics thing. Like, wait. So, um, <laughs> so then the next day, I think we had physical therapy and I'm a, an extrovert. And so like, thrilled to see a physical therapist, like an adult that can talk. Um, cause it's like the only time I get to see a human and talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> right. So I'm like way over talking with PT as Claire's on the treadmill and I'm telling this physical therapist, like, you're not going to believe this. There's this study in Boston. And the problem is that they don't have enough people for it. And Claire like picked up her feet off the treadmill. She was in the harness and she was like, looked at me like, 
people. And I was like, well, no, we're not. Like, it's for other people. Like, we're in California. <laughs> like, there are people closer to Boston. And she was like, so disappointed in my response. So, so that was then we enrolled in the trial in Boston is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it's super expensive at the time. Like literally uh, the IRSA or whatever their, whatever the name of the organization at the time was, like it was parent funded. Like it was, it was strollathon money. Oh, do you need? No, we're good. We're good. Keep it going. was strollathon money. And and so there wasn't like, if you wanted to be in the trial, you had to go there like on your own dime. And we were very lucky to have um, like California had just changed their tax rules about income for caregivers. So we were able to like backfile. And like, there was a little bit of a situation there that made it so that we could afford to use our overpaid tax money to go to Boston to the hospital. Hey, oh, there you go. Right? Isn't that exciting? Yes. I mean, it really was. Um, and uh, and then I started talking to people and I'd like talk to somebody and they're like, oh yeah, we wanted to go. Like we were ready, but um, we don't have um, the like right criteria. Like our daughter has uh, long QT. So she's not eligible for the trial. And then I heard other people and they were like, oh uh, yeah, we would go, but we can't afford to go to Boston. Like that's insane. You had to be in Boston for 54 days in a year and a half. Jeez. Seven trips. That's a lot. We've like, I wish people knew how far we've come. Like, I know that like clinical trials can be exhausting and whatever, but like they're so much, they're designed so much better now. Yeah. Like we, we all had to learn the hard way. And there was about 30 families that learned the hard way for everybody. Oh, the idea of one study. Yeah. So that's um it was our daughter and her, her so so Claire had these like little friends and like I was like I'm not sure we can go to Boston but then her friends were like we'll help you like we'll make a lemonade stand. Which was really lovely. And uh then Chloe our our other daughter our typical child who's younger was like um she said something like to the extent of like her wanting Claire better. Like, this is for me, mom. Like Claire getting medicine is for me. And you can't like say no to that. Like you can't, like, there's no shutting that down. So, uh, she, they were like really compelled to help other people. And, and it just sort of like snowballed as I, other people wanted to, and I could see that there was like a need for a bridge as there was like families that were like, Oh, we want the research to go forward, but our, our, uh, our daughter doesn't qualify, but we'd help somebody who does. I'm like, oh, so that's that's how Retland got started. Uh, and it's just sort of escalated from there. <laughs> I'm like a chef by trade. I have no business running a nonprofit. <laughs> and yet here you are, <laughs> having been a founder of a nonprofit. Congratulations on reaching outside of your yeah. box. That's impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. You know, where, where does the name come from? Uh, I don't know, Retland, that's like where we live, right? right? Like that's like where we come together. I feel like that's like, we always kind of like talk, uh, talked about Retland being like the place that like some people are forced to be there, but other people show up volitionally, you know? And those are the people that maybe don't have a diagnosis. 
maybe it's a physical therapist or a neighbor or whoever, but they they enter into helping, into like being present enough to see your child where they're at and interacting in that place. I think when you have an individual who's that vulnerable, if everyone's willing to like work at that level, it's a really beautiful thing. And so that's sort of, I don't know, Rutland, people helping each other. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I love that. I think it's a great analogy. So, well, so that, that kind of covers, you know, what you guys did with the foundation, how that began and everything. But you reached out to us specifically because you're in a very unique situation right now. And w- would you like to introduce that situation? Sure. Yeah. So um, we had a pretty like I've I've rightly because of Retland and also just because like of the nature of our life, I don't have a close knit circle of people physically around me. Um, I never have. We've moved a few times and just due to circumstances, I have really connected with like the online community of uh, people with Rett, Rett, Rett syndrome, like, right? Like in the beginning, it was the bloggers again before Facebook. Um, but like, I'm still very close to those people. Uh, and so like the people that I'm closest to all have children with Rett syndrome, right? And I think nobody was expecting in February, uh, Claire, um, had a pretty basic surgery and I can't like talk too much about the specifics of it because there might be a lawsuit, but effectively she passed away in our home 12 hours after coming home from the hospital. Uh, and it was like, oh my, like, well, A, we're grieving and we miss Claire, but also I'm like, oh no, like, am I like going to be excommunicated? <laughs> you know, because I appreciate all the people with living children not wanting to see our story. Like Mm -hmm. that's very understandable. Yeah. Uh, It's heavy. Like it's the thing everyone fears. Um, So there's been like this really delicate balance of of, like finding out, like, do you guys still want me around? Like if it's too much, I understand, but I love you all. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's, it's interesting coming from, from like our I don't want to say our side, like I'm representing everybody perspective, but my perspective, like, cause I, and I've, I've told you this, but I've, I had wanted to reach out to you to talk about this because it is kind of that taboo subject of, you know, life after and how does that go on and, and whatnot. But it's like you said, it's this delicate, like would they be open to that? Is that okay? Is that too taboo? Is it too soon? Is that, you know? Yeah. But I think, right. It's awareness month. I think awareness goes a long way in a lot of situations. And I just think about like the fear I had of Claire dying, like was very real. Like, I mean, in a physical way, like if, like I had to do EMDR (laughs) like six years ago because I had like, whenever she was at school, I just had this like sense that like, she was never coming back into her room. Like it was like crippling. And I think trauma parenting will do that to you. And I never heard anyone on the other side, right? Yeah. So I figured like, maybe 
I have so much respect for anyone who's needing distance from me and our story. Like, absolutely, I get that. <laughs> but I also remember when someone would pass away, like you look, and you're like, am I connected to this person? Do I know them? Like, can I like look back and see like, how long has this been? Was it sudden? Did they expect it? Were they on hospice? Like what was going on? Because it feels so close because it's like yeah. the same. When it's, it's interesting, like posts will pop up on, on the, like in Facebook groups and whatnot, and I'll see them and, you know, somebody's, somebody's child has passed away or, or, you know, maybe not a child, but an individual threat syndrome has passed away. And I cry every time. And yeah. it's, it's because of that connection. And like, I'll, you know, I can read a news article about people dying and I'm like, oh, that's sad, but I don't cry, you right. know, cause I don't have that. I don't have that connection, but I'll see these posts about, you know, an individual threat syndrome. And I, I have to either sit and read it all and just let myself cry or, you know, depending on what I'm doing, I save it for later and I'll go back and look at it later. But here's the tissues. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I, I told him we needed tissues before this episode because at some point <laughs> I'm going to, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's okay. very different. Um, and it's, it's something that I didn't realize until I began seeing those posts pop up in my own Facebook feed, which I, I turned them off because yep. I can't handle yeah. those posts because for me, everything that I've seen so far, it's not, um, it's, it's more of just like a grieving thing and individuals reaching out and grasping and saying, you know, I, I need your support. And unfortunately I'm in a situation where I, I can't provide that to them. And so I for ended sure. up having to turn off the notifications because for me it was too much. And like you were saying, Sarah, it's, it's very different because it is something more, it's more real. Well, it's, it's more, it's more connected. It's more correct. Connected. It's different. At least for me, when I see somebody post about a grandparent passing away, um, it's different when I see somebody post about a parent or a sibling or a close friend passing away because that is expected um, right. more often than not. It is expected. It is somebody who they've had, they've had some complications or it's age or whatever it may be. Um, and even in those situations where it isn't expected, I don't have that connection to them. Whereas with Rett syndrome, we are very connected to it. Uh, I like what, what you, you said with regards to trauma parenting, which you've, you've posted quite a bit, I've noticed, uh, regarding that. And it's something that I had never even thought about, that what we are currently going through right now is trauma parenting and what you are overcoming, at least that's what I'm reading into the situation, is trauma parenting. And it's not... Yeah. Um, it's not going to be a, you know, an overnight thing. It's not a light switch. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's much more real for us in our situation. I think if there's anything that I wish, like, like a message that I could get out to people, it's like, get therapy now, like everyone, <laughs> like if you haven't, like, if I could do anything with my foundation, like if there was like, if I ever get rested enough to like, 
get a lot of funding from some grant, like some, mm-hmm. like if there was a sugar daddy in the sky, they gave us a bunch of money. I would hire a bunch of full-time therapists to be on call for rep families, like, because it's, it's such a hard thing to deal with. Like there's not a version of Rett syndrome that's not hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's like any way you slice it, uh, parent nervous systems are having a hard time. (laughs) I a hundred percent agree with that. (laughs) But like, we don't talk about it. Like that's, I think that's what I'd like to bring up for awareness month. Everybody it's not just like, because I think it, it, it kind of, kind of turned into like inspiration porn. Like, look at these amazing parents right. and all the things that they do for their kids. Oof. Yes. <laughs> and, and, but, but on, on the opposite end of that, sometimes I, I see people who are trying to be real about the situation and it's like, and they're uh, downplaying it. Uh, uh, yeah. Because there really is a lot that you do as a special needs parent more so than, you know, your, your average parent. Yeah. There is, but at the same time, it's like, then you get portrayed as the super parent and then it's like, but I am, I'm, I feel like I'm drowning. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm super. I feel like I'm drowning, not flying. Yeah. Barely keeping my head above water. Well, and then, you know, also I, I think it's, we, we hear a lot about how there are programs uh, across the different States, many different countries that they provide, uh, respite, which is uh, is great, but is stepping away from the situation really helping you learn to lead a healthy mental life? Um, are you able to cope emotionally with what's happening? And I, I think you're right, Colleen, that, that we need to look more at receiving that professional help on mm-hmm. a regular basis, not just looking for ways to escape, but yeah, looking right. for ways to um, to cope and handle the stressors and the anxieties that are really there and are much more elevated than would be in a typical situation. Yeah. So this is like, uh, sorry, I'm kind of, can I side yeah. note here? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. One of the things that like saved my life in the uh, days following when like Claire died, like sleep was hard. Yeah. Um, and I found the Headspace app. Have you guys used this? Do you do you do like meditation? I've never. I don't think I've ever heard of it. Okay, so, um, my husband is like way better at this stuff than I am, and so he's done this for a while. But they have these things called like sleep casts, and it's like a soothing voice, like we're going to lay in bed and just know that everything is done for the day and breathe two, three, four. It's amazing. But Rutland has a, um, like an account with them. Uh-huh. And I have been, as I connect with people, I've been like providing headspace, like a subscription for a year to rep parents. So like if anyone is listening and wants to email um, CGA, like for Claire's great adventure, at retland.org, I will provide uh, the link for you to sign up for Headspace for a year. That is awesome. Uh, I'll I just, be emailing you. <laughs> yes. Expect I, my email later. I just pulled it up and it looks amazing. And it's that good for amazing. kids too. Cause like siblings are like having traumatic lives 
also. It's true. It's not just the parents because everybody, I mean, it affects everyone. Sorry. I know we were in this like really nice film. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. Well, that's, that's a great tool. That's a, a phenomenal tool to be able to, to cope and do it in yeah. a healthy way to be able to, I struggle with clearing things out sometimes at the end of the day. And it looks like that would be a wonderful way to do it. And especially when you're going through a traumatic experience, whether that be something as serious as death or you come home from a doctor's appointment and your, your child's scoliosis has, has gotten worse. You know, it's, it would be a wonderful way for you to be able to decompress, try to push that out of your brain so you can get a full night's rest. I should say, I, I mean, I think it could even be as simple as just all the doctor's appointments. Like we just spent me and me and Zoe just spent our, the majority of the day at doctor's appointments today. And it was Mm -hmm. an x-ray and, and a swallow study. And it's like, how many people take their five-year-old to go and do those things? Just, you know, like it's all the little things like that where it's like, oh, we have to do this and this and this and this and this. And then I had to listen to you for 15 minutes. Tell me about it. (laughs) The horror. Terrible. (laughs) So that's why I need the app. Thank you, Colleen <laughs> and Rhett. Right? You are saving does. me. But for real though. And and I, I think we've thank thank goodness to the pandemic, we now understand that we can connect in healthy ways with yes. professionals. There are services available where we can do that. Uh, and they're reasonably priced, whether that be something through your uh, local healthcare provider or something that I've seen many, many times, better help. That's a that's an online yeah. service. And there are other ones out there that you can connect with. A big thank you to Colleen for coming on and talking with us. Obviously, we've cut that interview a little bit short, but that's because we had such a wonderful conversation with her that it went much longer than we would do for a typical episode. And that's just fine. And so we are going to be releasing that second half of the interview in the next episode. So be sure that you've subscribed. So that way you get notifications of when that episode will be coming out and you'll be able to hear the rest of her story. She's got some great, great thoughts and perspectives. And I really appreciate it. Giving me a lot to think about. Uh Especially with us being so young in our journey. Uh, it's it's great to have her perspective to be able to share with us some of the things that we should be looking at. Yep. So, with that, we're going to jump right into "Can't Leave It." Yes. So, Sarah, I almost called you Kara. I don't know why I, I almost called you Kara. I don't know why either. Uh, Is there something you need to tell me? Yes, I care a lot about you. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Anyways, Sarah, what's your can't leave it? Can't leave it. Well, uh, your Sam songs from last week. Yes. And I got thinking about music. Yes. And, you know, I was driving with Zoe today because we had appointments that were an almost two hours Mm -hmm. drive one way, right? So four hours round trip in the car. And I got thinking about my music. And my playlists, we we use um, 
What platform do we use? We use our words. Yes. What platform do we use? We use our words to communicate. For our music, what platform do we use? We use uh, YouTube Music. YouTube Music. We use YouTube Music. And it generates like your super play mix. Your super, is it super playlist mix? Well, it's a playlist, but I think they call it a super mix. Yeah. Anyway. They they have other playlists. So they they take songs that you like listen to frequently and then they create. They add other songs that are similar and they, they create your own like super mix and my mix one and two and three and whatever. Um, I have come to realize that I listen to a lot of kids music. Because the kids have screwed up the algorithm. They have. It's terrible because I'll be like jamming out to songs that I want to hear. You don't jam. And well, it's m- jamming out for me. <laughs> Anyway, and then all of the sudden, Elsa is letting it go. She lets go of her jam. <laughs> <laughs> you need to look at the queue. You need to look at the queue and go through and say, well, get rid of I that. I can't do that when I'm driving, though. <clears throat> I just want to be able to push my playlist and go. Sarah, I, I think you're making a good point. You need to get that Tesla. No. That was not the point. The point is I need to go through my music and make some actual playlists that are that are not that don't have that yes. cannot be tainted. Yes. By children's I need music. to make my own so that that I have like my own playlist and I'm not sharing my playlist with Moana and and all the other princesses. You can't even name them all. I think you're just grasping at straws. Ariel. I, Jasmine. <laughs> Belle. <laughs> that took you a while to get Belle. Well, because I was... Belle. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call her Beauty. And then I was like, that's not her name. <laughs> that's the name of a horse. And the horse's name was Black Beauty. Well, but it's Beauty and the Beast. So... Anyway, not the point. <laughs> point is, I need my own music. Sounds good. What's your can't leave it? I have a complaint. Oh dear. No, you'll you won't care about it. Oh, okay. So, uh, I I enjoy superhero movies. I don't love them, but I like. Not my cup of tea, but I I, I see. You watch them when they yeah. come out. Yeah, yeah, and like I will rewatch them every once in a while. Uh, and for the past several years, obviously Marvel has owned that, and they've done a really good job. And I'm sick of <laughs> they. There's like a there's like a, a specific look and feel and type of writing that that happens in Marvel. And so I decided three years very late that I would watch Aquaman. And so I watched Aquaman uh, came out in 2018 and I get really visually different, but why, why does the storyline suck? <laughs> Cause it's Aquaman. Well, but it wasn't just Aquaman, like Batman versus Superman. Like the storyline sucked. <laughs> like, Birds of Prey 
with the the Harley Quinn story. Storyline sucks. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I haven't I, seen any of those. I know, I know, and that's why I said you weren't gonna care. But I, I that's don't, right. I don't understand why. What can they not? <laughs> can they well, not? Aren't they based out? on comic books? Yes, but all right. So you have Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. okay, and they live in this universe. Yeah. And then you have DC Comics, yeah. and they live in this universe. Okay? Yeah. So they're they're separate, right? right? So my complaint is, why hasn't DC figured out what Marvel is doing right and try to replicate it in their own way? Oh. I don't know, because they did a great job when Christian Bale was was Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah. Like, they did a really good job with that. That was good. I, and I felt like the story was, I mean, until the the last one. Anyways, but <laughs> there's three movies. They did really good with the first two. I'm happy with it. Fine. But anyways, that's just a general complaint. I don't get it. And I'm getting sick of Marvel. And I would like to have some other options to choose from that are just as as good but like kind of a different you know feeling and tone and everything yeah. and unfortunately DC can't provide that I guess I just need to go watch Amazon Prime's The Boys I have no idea what you're talking about but you have fun with that I will I'll, I'll show you we'll go we'll go watch that right now nope <laughs> okay And with that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you're notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning. And please leave us a rating. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you can become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod, where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on our show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts, or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit rettsyndrome.org.